Do you ever feel like you don't know where to start when it comes to volunteer training? Don't have the time to record training videos? The brand new version of Ministry Grid has already done the work for you with over 750 courses for you to choose from. To help you get started right away, they even have created training pathways which provide volunteer, leader, director, and staff level training modules for each specific ministry area. Whether you're looking to train volunteers, teachers, or other leaders, you can use these pathways to equip all individuals within your church. With Ministry Grid, you can customize any training that you would like and add videos, PDFs, YouTube videos, and other content that you would like. And all this can be done right from your phone. Ministry Grid has been completely rebuilt to be made for mobile and train on the go. Now you can truly train anyone, anytime, and anywhere. Get started today at ministrygrid.com. Once again, that's ministrygrid.com. Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, I'm Josh, and this is EST. I'm joined by my co-host and good friends, Micah Freeze and Sam Rayner. How are y'all today? Doing Great, well. Man. You are? Doing really As well. As always. Yeah. If, 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 I, if I was uh, having a terrible day, I mean, would I, would I say anything about it, really? Nobody Maybe ever I would. Does, I would tell you guys. Does. I would tell you guys if I was having I was going to say, I don't always have great days. Sam, you said, as always. I don't. I don't. But yeah. today, it's a good day. Most, I mean, most of my days are good. Most of them are good. Yeah. I've we got a question for you guys. Sam. I'm curious. Josh, are you? Hang on I, just I, I am. Is Josh, Josh, are you an optimist? You know, I think I've known you for a long time. But my friends don't think I am. I was going to say, I actually don't think you are. But What I feel like I am, and I'm not being sarcastic or anything, I feel like I'm realist. an optimistic realist. <laughs> Optimistically meaning this is not great nor bad. That's the realist part. But it can be really good. If we work hard, that's kind of how I, that's my whole view on life. And so, which makes me, I think, a good church revitalizer because it's neither good nor bad, but it could be better. I try to stay positive myself, but I do Mm -hmm. react viscerally to things. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm one of those people that like, if they hear, if I hear good news, it's like the best thing ever. And if I hear bad news, it's like the worst thing ever. And so I tend to to speak in hyperbole a bit. I was actually, uh, there was one time that Micah and I know about that we won't say on air about Sam getting upset about something. And <laughs> I was trying to describe it to my wife, Jackie, and I started crying because I was laughing so hard at nice, usually Sweet optimistic Sam. Sam Sweet Sam. Sam. Getting really upset about He was about really something. ticked off. Oh, man, it was so funny. Um Ooh. But it was nice. I don't was, even know what you guys are talking about. Well, oh, even I in do. it, even in it, he was being very nice, right? He so, was. Uh, but he, he was angry. But he was so mad. He was so mad. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you later, <laughs> Sam. I'll remind you later and often, Sam, about this time you got upset. So, um, I'm curious about something that I'm very excited about, which is nerdy that I am excited about. But the new professional football league that's going to be launching oh, next grief. spring. It's baseball season. No, it is baseball it's season, not. But I have a particular interest in this new football league because the, yeah, first, because the first coach was announced. Right. And so, and it's Orlando team, Sam, so it's down there. This, this is going to be your team. Steve Spurrier coaching a team mm-hmm. in Orlando. 
I did hear about that. Yeah, I'm I did. Pretty excited about that. I'm excited about spring football. This is going to be so good. It starts the week after the Super Bowl, so you can cheer for the Cowboys. And then after we win the Super Bowl, you go straight into the regional team that you're going to be cheering for. They haven't. There's going to be eight teams, and um, we're not real sure where those teams are going to go. I can I can tell you be. the universal reaction of most of the people in my area with this football thing. What is that? I, a lot of people just said when Steve Spurrier was announced as coach, they said, "I have no idea what this is, no clue, but I'm a fan." <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I said. I didn't even know a league was coming, but sign me up. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. So the the rumor around here is it's either going to be an Oklahoma City or a San Antonio team. That would be our closest um, to, which I think I'm kind of pulling for the Oklahoma City. Um, I don't know why, but she's a little closer. Wait, a that's Texan surprising is for something for you. in Oklahoma. I was going to say, wait a minute. We, you know, here's the thing, uh, and I may be wrong, but Oklahoma, Texans like Oklahomans. We mess with them. They're like our little, well, we feel like they're little oh, brothers. They probably feel like we're little brothers. Here we go. Great. We're about lost to get a lot of hate mail from Oklahoma. Hey, we love Oklahoma. One of our elders like is Oklahoma. Like the cute little nuisance child. No, That's what not, you just said. No, I mean it in this way. I mean it in this way. We're allowed to pick on them, but we don't like it. When other people pick on them, necessarily. Yeah, I'm pretty we're sure just, they're the not same. a fan of this opinion. <laughs> well, you know. So um, if, that's, if, well, you know why Oklahoma, Texas doesn't fall into the ocean. So if Oklahoma <laughs> is the little brother, mm-hmm. what is Florida, the crazy uncle? We, uh, no offense, but we just never think about y'all at all. <laughs> <laughs> Texas doesn't think about anybody but themselves, Oklahoma, that's on rare true. occasion, Louisiana. That's not true. We think it about California true. as we steal all of their major businesses. We think of Colorado as we go and ski on all their slopes. So we think oh, of other people. Word. New Mexico as we visit for tacos. I don't know. We think of a lot of things. But, you know, to our credit, Mexico to eat I love that part of the country. You go to New Mexico to eat their tacos? New Mexico has great food. You have great, great food in great Texas place. when it comes to tacos. They sure do. Right, here, we are in like my totally defense, we're a huge, huge state. So, you know, it's it's hard to think past that anyways. It's not just because and we love us. You, uh, we've talked about the fact before that I'm half Texan, right, Josh? Did you know that? Yeah, mm-hmm. talk, yeah, 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 yeah. I grew up hearing how much better uh, Texas was. It is, but that's not why we think about ourselves all the time. So we've got another topic that we want to talk about, though. Speaking of little brothers or sisters, kids in the worship service. So this this hits a lot of churches in a lot of different ways. There are people that feel very strongly in what's called a family integrated model, where they just don't have children's ministries or you know what we call student ministries, teenage ministries. Um, everything's together all the time, and I think that there, there's some merit to that. And then there are the other side of the spectrum. I don't even know what the exact other side of the spectrum is, but I actually was talking to a campus pastor in our area and their students uh i'm talking about the seventh through the twelfth graders don't even they don't attend the uh, sunday morning worship service they have their own worship services on sunday morning so they're they're that's i've i've not been around a lot of churches that do that to that degree i mean children go out because of a they say it's a teaching level thing but the students do that as well so um yeah, let's just get our first gut reactions to that. Sam, what do you think about this whole idea of um, children in the worship service? Where do you fall? Yeah, I think that we should have high expectations of our children. Mm. I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna teach them to read, to do long division, or whatever it is they're teaching them in school now, I, I you know, I look at my my daughter's homework. She's seven years old. She's in second grade, and and she's learning things that are you know 
for her, they're challenging, you know, and, and a lot of kids, they, they learn. So there's absolutely no reason why we shouldn't expect children to be at the same level in church. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I did, uh, I did a, a, a Christmas Eve service once um, where uh, one of the children uh, lit the, their sibling's hair on fire. So um, <laughs> there is some value to children being in, you know, a, a, in, a, in a place where they can learn best and not disturb those around them. So, well, that's not really their learning level. That's just don't give kids fire. That, that's kind of... True, true. But it was, you know, the smell of burnt hair in the worship space was, um, it was slightly distracting. Um, that's funny, though. And, and thankfully, it wasn't grandma with her, you know, hairspray in her hair. That would have been, that, that would have been tragic. Um, but <laughs> It's just gone. <laughs> One <laughs> nice big sound effect. <laughs> Michael, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a big fan of kids in worship services, but here, here's my thing. I think um, I'm, an, I'm a both-and sort of guy, which is not surprising because that tends to be my approach to most things. But right. uh, I, I'm a big fan. I think and I, this is one of those things where I think there is not a hard and fast biblical rule. Right, so there's a lot of mm-hmm. room for disagreement here, and for us to walk together faithfully and love each other. And there, this is more of an issue of wisdom and context than it is an issue of biblical conviction, in my opinion. And there are going to be those who disagree with me, but that's my. Micah was tweeting again while I was talking. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I see. Oh wait a minute! I see I was. what's going on. <laughs> I forgot. I did totally do that. interrupting you, but I'm... <laughs> so, wait a minute. Just to be clear, that means Sam was reading tweets while I was this talking. This is Sam's biggest pet peeve. Like, <laughs> this is the thing that drives him crazy, and it's so yeah. funny. And now I have to get on Twitter and see what Micah was saying. <laughs> we wonder, what, like, is Micah there? No, no, he's tweeting. That's he's what tweeting. he was doing. That's Honest so to goodness, cool. my, uh, my mic, I mean, my, head, uh, my internet connection evidently lost you guys for a few minutes, so... <laughs> this is kind of uh, related, but we'll get back on topic eventually. The, I had a staff member went to the we were at a coffee shop study and he went to the restroom and all of a sudden he's liking tweets and stuff on my on my feed (laughs) i text him and like stop just do what you got to do in there and then get out (laughs) so anyways back to this so say okay you take a a both-hand approach yeah i take a both-hand approach i think this is an issue of wisdom and context not of conviction even though there are those who would disagree with me so at our church um we want kids to be in worship we love the idea of kids being in worship but we're going to have um some opportunities for kids who can't be in worship um, or, or let me say this, like we're always asking the question, can this work for a single mom? Because we have mm-hmm. a fair number of those who are in our church. They struggle. They're bringing in two or three kids. And um, if they have to wrangle their kids the whole time, they may never experience the worship service themselves. And so, again, there is an ideal version. And I think the ideal version is mom, dad, kids, everybody gathered in worship together. But we also don't live in an exclusively ideal world. And so we want to create an opportunity for the ideal version to happen, but recognize that there are cases where um, single moms exist, single dads exist. How do we help them? How do we serve them? How do we create opportunities for their kids to be mm-hmm. somewhere where they can learn about Jesus in an you know, age-appropriate way? Uh, but I'm, I'm with Sam. I mean, I used to work, you know, you guys know, I used to work for Ed Stetzer, and Ed used to say, if kids can order drinks at Starbucks, they can learn theological language. And he's mm-hmm. right about that, right? Like, I mean, we, we don't press our kids too much. It's like we're scared in the church that we're going to run them off. Mm-hmm. And I think the opposite is true. I think the more we seem to challenge them in a loving, um, you know, age-appropriate context, the more we challenge them, the more they respond to it. 
Yeah, that's the amazing thing is a lot of the services, the churches who tend to embrace this full model of the kids not being in worship services are, I'm going to paint with a very broad stroke here, are generally not the most doctrinally heavy services using that sort of language in the first place. And Maybe they are teaching doctrines, but they're not using very large words or theological words or difficult concepts, you know. And so it's interesting that both sides of that argument are kind of used in that play. I'll tell you what we do here. And for a while there, we didn't do any sort of children's um, service or kid church or whatever you want to call it. And uh, we, for a number of reasons, decided we wanted to attempt to do it. But we wanted to do it without um, being, without distancing ourselves from our values, which is to see the children as part of the whole church and to allow them to participate in worship, to see them. So I, I put a lot of value on the greeting time. And I know that's silly. We can talk about that in another topic, but I put a lot of value on that. I want our children to see grandmas and grandpas and dads and all these people fellowshipping together, shaking hands, hugging, talking, all that sort of stuff, worshiping, hearing the songs singing those songs, learning those songs. We do all modern worship, but still I want them to learn the words to those songs, those sort of things. And um, the prayer together, all of that happens. So we keep the children, and uh, um, all of them, in um, after kind of kindergarten, in the worship service until the preaching starts. And then we dismiss them to kid church where they're going to go do their Bible lesson. We also bring them back um, at what the response time. So they come back. So they're only really gone during the preaching service, and it's only first through third graders because we felt, you know, the whole argument of if they're learning enough in school, if they're sitting through class at school, which, you know, they're really not anymore. They're very interactive. They've got a lot of digital kind of technology at school and stuff like this. But if they're sitting through that at school class time and they're learning certain topics, which we felt the fourth graders were probably at that sort of level, then um, then they can – stay but the first through third graders we felt were a little younger and and they went off and dismissed and that works for us as um you know out of the three of us on the smaller side of the scale of of church sizes because um our volunteers are able to participate in that worship part as well which was something that they were troubled by they want to be a part of the adult stuff too not always back with the children and um you know the time frame you you take about there's an interactive lesson for their age level. And so I understand that some people say, well, just leave them all. But we're talking about, you know, Stetzer's argument is true, but I don't know any first graders that can order their drinks at Starbucks or are learning long division. We're talking about first graders, second graders, maybe third graders are getting into that point. Um, But, you know, so we're just trying to do both and kind of like what you're talking about there, Micah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the key. I think trying to think about who your potential audience is and being able to serve all of them as as well as we possibly can. I mean, you can't you can't meet every need of every person. I get that. Mm-hmm. But kids ministry is an area where we really can produce or provide a couple of options because having kids in your worship service doesn't require anything of you, really. Right. I mean, you can do some kids worship guides and that sort of thing, and it'll help. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really you know require anything of you. But then providing some kid programming at the same time to help out, for instance, single moms, I think uh, I think really can help ramp up your churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, ability to serve your community. Yeah. You know, and a lot of it depends on the the skill set of your church. So, you know, at, at our church, we have a we actually have a really good children's ministry that's full of volunteers that love doing what they do. So, we're able to offer a little more. Um, you may be at a church that is uh, just beginning, you know, a children's ministry. Yeah, that's or, right. You know, you don't have the volunteer base just yet. And, and the idea of, you know, doing some sort of comprehensive thing on Sunday morning is just too much, and you wouldn't do it well. 
And so you need more kids in the worship service simply because you just don't quite have the volunteers. You may be training them up. You may be trying to get there, but you're just not there yet. So the other thing to ask yourself, certainly from the, the single mom question is an excellent question. We ask it all the time here because we have a lot of single moms. What does this do to our single moms or single dads? Um, great, great question. But the other thing to ask is, like, who's here that can do this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, right. you might be forcing something a little too early. That's before, true. Uh, and, 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 you know, and if it flops, it, you know, with, when you're talking kids – you know, you, a lot of people will be quite forgiving of your failures as a, you know, your strategic failures as a pastor. And, um, and, and but to your when point, you fail the kids, it's it's tough. It's a lot harder. To your point, Sam, like I'm a big believer that churches should do less ministry but do it better. But kids ministry is one of those things where it doesn't require money. It does require a little bit of space. It mostly just requires a few people who care and are willing to invest and in, in, in to do it well. It just requires a few people who have got the skill set to do it well. And so the good news is that's something that many churches have and can do, and budget shouldn't necessarily prevent you from being able to do that. But I think you're right, making sure that we do have those right few people. The problem is a lot of times pastors are the ones who get this good idea, and they say, all right, let's go do it. And they force it on somebody when the truth of the matter is pastor is never going to be involved in that ministry likely because it's going on at the same time that we're doing our job, you know, Mm -hmm. preaching, that sort of thing. And so we've got to make sure that we've got not just people who can do it, but a champion who's going to own it and, uh, and lead it well. Right. I I guess what I'm saying is the liability is greater with your children's ministry because, you know, I understand, you know, you've got to train up your adult teachers so that, you know, they're not teaching bad doctrine and things like that. But it's not often in any of your adult classes that you've got one person biting another person. Um, And and, and what do you do if that that happens? And and so I I guess the thing with children's ministry, just make sure, even if it's, you know, your smaller church and you've got a couple or three volunteers, make sure they're trained well and they understand what to do if certain instances come up. Um, So if, you know, if you're going to, hey, we're going to do children's worship now. Um, you know, awesome idea. Go for it. Just make sure that the training is there because the liability is greater with the, with the children's ministry, especially when the kids are separated from the parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another option that I've heard of churches doing before is just maybe like the first Sunday they'll do a kid service and the kids go off and do that sort of stuff. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's um, right. it's just I think an, an important factor that we're talking about here is ministering in the capacity that you have. I know a lot of churches who only have maybe volunteer children's leadership or a part-time children's leadership, and they ask of that person to um, do – I'm just going to use traditional language here – the Sunday school hour, a worship hour, a Wednesday night program, a VBS, which takes huge amounts of time and energy – um, and then some other, you know, things. And you just need to scale to your church and not try to do everything that the big church down the road is doing. And I, that's why – that's quite frankly why for a while we didn't do anything on that. We just didn't have the capacity to do it and to do it well. So we focus our children's efforts on the for the discipleship hour, the Sunday school hour, small group hour. And then we've just recently launched this. And to be honest with you, it was because we were losing a number of guests, and we found out that the majority of them were just saying there's just nothing for children in that hour. And so we had to rethink of whether or not we wanted to just continue down that road and be us or if there was a way to both meet the need and still be us. And we felt like that is what we accomplished, that, that, that balance that we struck there. So, so real practical question here. And, and a lot of grace on this because, you know, there's, as Micah said, this isn't like a hard and fast biblical rule. But you've got some churches on one extreme that, like, 
example that was given was 12th graders or, you know, seniors in high school or have mm-hmm. their own worship service. And then on the other extreme is, you know, we don't offer anything for children. They have to be in the worship service with their parents. Where is the cutoff? Let's say, let's just go to a, a children's worship, a separate children's worship service. A lot of churches do that. What's the cutoff? What do you guys do? Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I should know this exact age, but I I believe it. But your kids are older. My kids are older, and so it doesn't affect them in terms of the age. I think we're somewhere in the second or third grade range, but mm-hmm. I could be wrong about that. Josh, keep, how about you? We keep kindergarten and younger. Oh, they're in the child care all the time. And so through both hours, they stay in their rooms and such. The the kid church time is first through third graders and like i said that's during the the preaching portion of our service and that cutoff for us i believe had to do with the local school district that's a division in the schools around here and so we kind of cut it off at that point it's also the reason our student ministry cuts off at seventh grade whereas some student ministries um, you know start at sixth grade so it's just a matter of where um, the local schools are and how they're kind of affiliated and it makes sense and when you're inviting your friends, these are the friends that are actually at your school and, and, and yeah. stuff like that. We also felt like third graders, it, this was just the third graders and first graders were okay around one another. But when you start putting a fourth grader around a first grader, it was just there's so much of a gap there. So um, that for us in our context, it just felt a little better first or third. So we, we cut our children's ministry off at, uh, at fifth grade because that's what the school system does. So I think okay. there's wisdom in kind of mirror, mirroring the school system. Mm-hmm. And as far as children's church goes, we, you know, we offer programming uh, you know, up to fifth grade. Mm-hmm. But really, when children start to get into second, third, fourth grade, we, we are encouraging parents to phase them into the, the worship experience. So mm-hmm. we leave the option to the parents in terms of, hey, where is your child? What are your, you know, what are your needs as a parent? And try to serve them there. But we're, you know, a, a child gets into second, third, fourth grade. We really want them in the worship service more and more. Um, and I, my daughter has done that. You know, she's probably, my, my daughter's in second grade, so half the time she's going to children's worship, half the time she's going to quote-unquote big church. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will probably, as far as uh, her being in the, the adult worship ser- service, be there more. But we also let parents, I mean, any age child can be in our worship service. So we have some parents that just bring in little babies because they want sure. their babies with them. And and that's fine. And, you know, they do make noise. And we're just a kind of church. We're a church that kind of just says, hey, that's okay. Yeah. Um, in fact, I've often preached that. I said, you know, when you hear the child noises in the worship service, that means the church is alive. So mm. it's all right. Um, now, obviously, the kid's wailing and you need to take the kid out. But um, but so we, we leave that option ultimately up to the parents, but do provide uh, the uh, the children's worship up to fifth grade. But we really don't want every fifth grader in children's worship. We would rather mm-hmm. parents be phasing them into the worship experience. Yeah. I think we do a celebration at the end of their third grade year when they're going into the fourth grade. Uh, we give them a, like a, a big church Bible. Um, it's it's a full – it's not a children's Bible anymore. And um, we just kind of celebrate them coming into – it's a milestone for them. They're now going to participate in the big church um, sort of thing. They're going to be under Pastor Josh's preaching and those sort of things. And um, we've made a booklet and, and worked on a, a like a um, a challenge kind of coloring book, but it's a little bit bigger than that. It's more an activities book where it's like, can you write down the text that the pastor preached from today? What was the main point? Uh, you know, um, color in this picture. We have a big stained glass, and that's kind of over above my head um, when I'm preaching. 
colored this picture of the stained glass in. And so it's all of these things about the big church worship service. There's even a guy in our church. He's the there seems to be this guy in every church. If you go shake his hand, he'll give you a, a mint. mint. And um, <laughs> so um, he does that. When I was growing up, it was a Jolly Rancher from this one deacon. And so we put it in there, go shake you know, his hand and get a mint. And so um, you know, every Sunday I get two mints from this guy, one before I preach and one during the decision time. That's what he says. And so you know, those are um, the activity. We kind of celebrate that transition, don't make it so – uh, like, oh, you got kicked out of the fun one. Now you got to go to the boring one, which I think is another topic. You know, I'll just be real honest with you. These churches that have decided that God stopped writing songs and moving in the 50s and the service is so old fashioned. It's so distant from culture today and things like that. That's another barrier of why I think that's as much to blame for children dropping out of worship and stuff like this as the youth group has their own service or the children's church. They've always been, you know, you've heard people say, well, they've never been asked to go to service. And then once they turn 18, you're putting them into this. It's a culture shock. It really is. And so I think that there's some things on both sides of the equation that you have to really think through. Agreed. Okay, so that's all the time we have for the topic today, but it's been a little while since we've uh, kind of personally done a shout-out to our sponsors. Our sponsor currently is Ministry Grid, a great resource from Lifeway, and um, it helps the church out in a number of ways. Sam, uh, could you tell us a little bit more about Ministry Grid? Ministry Grid is a great tool. If you struggle with training your people, this is the tool for you. If it, it, it is a comprehensive training tool, and you just need to go check it out uh, at ministrygrid.com and see all of the bells and whistles. The pricing is great on it. I, I, uh, we, we have used it here at West Bradenton and, and love the tool. It is, it is a way to get all of your volunteers and your, and your leaders up through your leadership pipeline. So mm. go check it out, ministrygrid.com. Fantastic resource from some fantastic friends there at Lifeway Ministry Grid. Also mobile, mobile ready. Um, you can use it on your devices, your smart devices, not just on your desktop. So um, great resource, and as always, we want to just put a quick plug in for the October 4th EST conference here in Dallas, Texas, and hope that you guys would join us for that. Any uh, closing thoughts from you guys? No, not really. <laughs> that's all the, that's that, all the thoughts that, I have. That fell flat as a pancake, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's uh, been a, it, this is a good episode. I, I was just sitting here thinking as you were talking, Josh, about why this episode is such an important one and why it matters so much. Kids ministry is so emotional and volatile and, and relates not only to the people that are currently in the church, but relates so much to guests. And so we're just appreciative of the folks listening yeah. to us as we kind of help think through what we're doing in our churches and hope it's helpful to them as they're thinking through it in their churches. And we would love your feedback on what it is that you guys do um, at your churches, what, how you lead your churches. So you can just uh, kind of shoot us a message on Twitter. And we are at EST Church. Sam? I just want to thank Micah for saving me there because I really didn't have any closing thoughts. But you know, <laughs> as always, Micah swooped in. I kind of feel like you need to just so go home and take a nap if that's all the thoughts you have for the day. You're just done. So. I mean, because when we all record right. this, it's a Monday morning. It's going to be a long I week know. for you. <laughs> I know, for real. Thanks for listening, and we'll check you next week. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. Support for EST is provided by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary.
The mission at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. The school is located in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and offers more than 40 different degree programs ranging from Associate of Divinity to Doctor of Philosophy. With more than 3,400 students enrolled, Southeastern trains future and current ministry leaders to lead effectively, study the Word diligently, and preach the gospel unashamedly. Learn more about Southeastern by visiting www.sebts.edu. And come check out our campus to see how you can join the Southeastern family and learn how to go to reach your community, your nation, and your world. Wherever you're going, Southeastern will help you get there.